Welcome to the Bible Reading Plan podcast by Victory Point. One of the best ways to grow as a disciple of Jesus is to read and reflect on Scripture daily. We created this podcast to guide you through our daily Bible reading plan that helps us dwell in God's Word as we grow together in listening to the Spirit. Whether you're on your commute, doing dishes, or just getting up in the morning, we're glad you tuned in. Good morning and welcome to the Bible Reading Plan podcast. We are back on Thursday with my inimitable guest, Mike McClenahan, my dad. He's been joining me all week. So if you haven't listened to Monday, Tuesday, or Wednesday's podcast, I encourage you to go back and listen to those and then tune in because we're going to pick up on some of those themes today and you'll get a chance to hear more about uh, who our guest is. So uh, today we're going to be reading from 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 9 through 13. Um, before I say 1 Thessalonians, I always have to kind of pause. I also just trip over the word 1 Thess- Thess- Thessalonians. It's kind of right. to say. Cool thing is that right now, if you were to go, there's no such place as Thessalon- Thessalonia. Oh, really? It's Thessaloniki. Huh. What happened to it? I don't know. Interesting. Um, that's actually a cool thing about uh, Nick Warnes taught me this, uh, executive director of Cyclical. He said, uh, I mean, the fact that the earliest churches that we write to are no longer in existence is a testament to the multiplicational work of the gospel. It's not the job of a church to exist forever, mm-hmm. you know, but to spread the gospel and give birth to new churches. So anyway, so... Thessalonica or Thessalonia, the Thessaloniki. Thessaloniki, the church there does no no longer exists, but um, it exists in the Testament of Scripture and through our lived witness today. So that's kind of cool. Anyway, we're going to read First uh, Thessalonians, chapter two, verses nine through thirteen. I think it's my turn to read, and then I'd love to hear your thoughts on on this passage. If there's a word or phrase that grabs your attention, we can talk about it. Here we go. You remember our labor and toil, brothers and sisters. We worked night and day so that we might not burden any of you while we proclaimed to you the gospel of God. You are witnesses, and God also, how pure, upright, and blameless our conduct was toward you believers. As you know, we dealt with each of you like a father with his children, urging and encouraging you and pleading that you lead a life worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. We also constantly give thanks to God for this, that when you received the word of God that you heard from us, you accepted it, not as a human word, but what it really is, God's word, which is also at work in you believers. So is there a word or phrase that uh, stands out to you? Yeah, I think the word worked. I think worked is important because um, Paul in... Ephesians 2 says that we are saved by grace, not by works, so that no one can boast. But in in the letter to the Philippians, he says that he tells them to press on. He presses on. He strives. Um, Paul worked hard, and somehow he knew that his working night and day was not to earn his salvation, but it was the freedom of his salvation mm-hmm. to um, do what he was called to do with all that he was. Yeah, that's cool. I'm um, kind of pointing out 
Paul's willingness to work and serve these people, like, uh, you know, we dealt with each of you like a father with his children. He accepts responsibility of his calling. He doesn't just shirk it off, but he, out of love, wants to do everything he can to make sure that this church gets on its feet and it, you know, the gospel is planted like a good seed. Um, it, it actually reminded me of, of what Micah was saying about, um, you know, power and being attached to the wrong things and, you know, who are you attached to and who are you, um, serving? Um, the fact that they work night and day, um, the way, one of the ways that I think that also could be read is like, like Paul was a, you know, a bivocational minister and he worked so he could earn his living so that he didn't have to be a burden to the people he was proclaiming the gospel to. So what a cool tie in between him and Micah to know that, um, when, you know, you are, uh, too dependent on the people you're preaching to, or you're being prophetic towards that it can cause a little bit of an issue, you know, mm-hmm. maybe not willing to say the things that need to be said. Mm-hmm. So I was thinking that. And then I also saw, um, uh, some of our, you know, our discussion around that Joshua story about stepping into the promised land on faith, you know, crossing the Jordan, taking a step into the water before the waters part, you know, um, you receive the word of God that you heard from us. You accepted it not as human word, but what it really is, God's word, which is also at work in you believers. The fact that Paul goes to Thessalonia in Acts, I think it's 15, 17, I forget where it is, but he goes there and he stays there for three weeks, three Sabbaths, and um, he's got a short period of time and they've got to really trust him. And they, they're ultimately not trusting him, they're trusting God's word in him. And they're stepping out in faith. They're taking steps as a new church to separate from the Jewish synagogue and start their own Jesus following fellowship. That would have felt like stepping into the, a rushing flooded Jordan River. You know, like, are we going to be okay if we take a step and do our own new thing here and start a new expression of a church or gospel? Like, is this, I think of our missional community leaders who we've got several of them who are taking new steps and starting their own gatherings or worship gatherings. And it can feel scary to take those first new steps. And, um, we trust in God's word, not in the people that, you know, necessarily we do trust in these guides like Paul who, who help give us God's word, but ultimately having to have faith in God as we step out and realize that we're doing something new, we're going into new territory and it's going to be scary, but we can have faith and trust that as we step out into something new, that the uh, way will be made as we walk it. So that's kind of cool here. I, of course, we're both fathers. I was thinking about, as you know, we dealt with each one of you like a father with his children. I think it's interesting. There's so many times that he writes to you all, you plural. But here he says, we dealt with each one of you like a father with his children. Mm-hmm. And I think about you having three girls who are all different ages. Of course, you and your brother were twins. And there was times when we didn't deal with each one of you. We dealt with you as a team as twins, the twins, uh-huh. and kind of made you do the same things because you were the same age, you were same developmentally. But most fathers deal with each of their children differently because they all have different personalities. Think about your two oldest daughters. We don't know about Hannah yet, but 
Jane and Grace have very different personalities from uh-huh. each other, and you have to do with them differently. Yep. He says, urging and encouraging you and pleading with you uh, that you lead a life worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. Like there is an individuality yeah. about our common calling. Something unique about it. We dealt with each one of you. And that takes work. Like as a parent, it takes work. I mean, we had to, with Jane, there's so many things that we got used to having to do with her that then we switched to Grace and Grace is much softer. And so it feels like overkill sometimes the way we deal with her because um, she doesn't respond the same way Jane does. And it, so it's a work to, to have to be self-aware and to have to go, what does grace need? Not just mm-hmm. what do I do as a parent and what are my fallbacks as a parent, but what does grace need? And then what does Jane need that's different than that? And now what does Hannah need that's way different than that in her developmental stage? Mm-hmm. But that's leadership work that uh, Paul had to do with the Thessalonians. They're in their own unique context. Each of them has their own different stage of faith. I mean, you guys have been doing a lot of, and you as a pastor have been doing a lot of um, thinking about stages of faith at Solana Beach too, right? Like mm-hmm. figuring out where is everyone and what do they need in order to take mm-hmm. their next step in faith with Christ. And that's being a spiritual parent, like a spiritual father who, you know, almost customizes leadership and bends low and, you know, form fits leadership styles to help them rather than to serve yourself. Mm -hmm. It takes a lot of work. Yeah. Paul, uh, he is interesting. He's shepherding all of these different churches and with, and each of those churches are in different places. Mm -hmm. So if you are in, in, uh, Galatia or Ephesus, or Thessalonica, or Corinth, or Rome, those are totally different contexts. Yep. And <clears throat> within those churches, there are people, he talks a lot about how each person not only is a different place of spiritual maturity, but they have different gifts and abilities. So the church in every place is a demonstration of the kingdom of God. Mm-hmm. And the church in Grand Rapids may not look like the church in Solana Beach, but we are called into his kingdom and to display his glory wherever we are. And that takes some individual customizing of each church to figure out what is God calling us to do? What's God doing in our neighborhoods? What's Mm -hmm. God doing in the world that we could be a part of and still be a part of his kingdom? So the things that we do, we talked uh, earlier about immigration. We're, We're dealing with immigration because we're in Southern California. Um, mm-hmm. For some churches, they want to get involved with refugee resettlement. Yep. For other churches, they're 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 working with the homeless. For others, they're they're working in the business community. Yep. And how many times have you heard a church or a pastor say, "If the church is not talking about this issue, like every church needs to be talking about this issue," it's like, no, not really, because mm-hmm. everybody's at a different place. I mean, the Thessalonians. I remember I did. Um, an exegetical paper in seminary about this book. And I remember learning that they were afraid because um, there were people who had, people had started dying who, who um, had become Christians and uh, their understanding, their theology was that Jesus was going to come back before any of them died. And he was going to take them home to be with him before they died. 
And so people started dying. And they, so the church started going, we've got a crisis of faith here. We, What do we do? Um, because not only are we struggling with our own grief and missing these people, but also we're, um, we're having these theological questions about what is it, when is God going to come back and rescue us? When is Jesus coming back? And that's why he's writing Thessalonians. And so he's using so much um, language in the, in Thessalonians, that is so soft, like father with children, these comforting images yeah. of tending to them rather than what's good for Paul. He's got his own thing going on. You know, Paul, Paul's going through his own sufferings and trials and, um, and he is, instead of writing about that, he's, he's writing to take care of them and to, um, yeah, to care for them in, in their own journey where wherever they are so it's yeah, kind of cool so, so he has to trust that god is at work in them mm -hmm. just as he is at work in them but he realizes that god is he has to trust them mm -hmm. and i think we have to trust that god is at work through the capital c church and we all have may have different um a different sense of calling but we are the church and we depend on the word of God, the living word of God, to be at work in us as believers to help us to discern what's right and what are we called to do next. And I remember in, I don't know if this is true in Western Michigan, but in Southern California, churches can get into what a friend of mine called um, comparison confusion, where we compare ourselves to what everybody else is doing, like you said, and say, everybody ought to be doing this. No, there are some churches that really, really focus on certain things really well, and they're doing that for the kingdom of God, and we can do our own calling. But oftentimes people come to our church and say, hey, how come you're not doing this thing that the, the church I used to go to mm -hmm. did? That exactly. was so great. 50 years ago, we had this great singles ministry. Why don't we have a singles ministry here? Mm -hmm. Like, we always have to be discerning what is the work of God in us today, that God is doing a new thing in us. And that may not look like everyone else, even though we center our lives yep. in the life, death and resurrection of Jesus. Yep. Some things are going to be the same and a lot of things are going to be different. The way we worship, yep. the way we make disciples, the way we're in small groups, the way yep. you hope that there's a little bit of that in each church, but, but we're all, we should all be discerning the work of God in us. Mm -hmm. So as you're listening to this podcast, you are, in your own space and God is doing something unique in you that he's not doing in me. Um, hopefully it's, it's, you know, leading towards the same kingdom and glory, but um, God is telling a unique story in your life. And, um, and what is that story? Like what is God doing in your life? I would love to hear from you. If you can send me an email. Um, I think that's in the show notes. Um, we, I'd love to hear about how this passage is reminding you of your own call and um and just to be reminded that that the people that you lead and you disciple are in different spaces too and this passage calls us in different kinds of leadership um, as we uh, empty ourselves and uh, tend to the work of god and other people so with that go in peace and have a great rest of your thursday we'll catch up uh, with you tomorrow Thanks for listening to the Bible Reading Plan podcast. If you have any reflections on the scripture we just read, please click the link in the show notes to leave us a voice message. We'd love to hear from you. 
let me send you on your way with a blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up the light of his countenance upon you and give you his peace.